Welcome to the Revenue Builders Podcast with John McMahon and John Kaplan. This podcast is brought to you by Force Management. Force's solutions help companies, small teams, and individuals accelerate sales performance. Be sure to check out their platform, Ascender. Today, a segment with Force Management's Tim Cato. Tim is an expert at sales negotiation. He's coached organizations on both the buyer and seller side to really preserve value in the final deal. He's seen all the tactics you've had to deal with. In this segment, John, John, and Tim talk through procurement, preparing your champion, and the power of starting early. John McMahon kicks it off. Take a listen. The earlier in the sales process that you start to actually lay the groundwork for the negotiation, the better off you're going to be when you're pulling it forward towards the procurement side. Yeah, John, that is going to be a theme for everything we talk about. Now, in, uh, in software development, they call it shift left. Start interest in security or other things way earlier in the process. Same thing as it relates to building our position for the negotiation. You know, I, I sometimes joke, I, I'll ask people that were in their early stages of looking at sales negotiation. I'm going to call tomorrow, John Kaplan, with a customer kind of wants to know our point of view. And I simply ask a real, real consistent question, right? What percentage of your deals will involve a negotiation towards the end? You know, they go figure what their answer is every time. Yeah. 100%, 100%. maybe 120% because we do several of them. And then I say, when do we start getting ready for that? When do we start building our perception of that? You know, when I'm looking at the last month of a quarter and something's look a little sideways, John, I think it is starting early. And one of the things we tell people, this might be a nugget to take away, to start the negotiation process before the other side believes we're negotiating. And the good news for our sellers out there, when you are execute, executing an effective sales process, you're simultaneously executing a negotiation process. You just got to be aware of it. Yeah, let's touch on two things then. So first of all, perception or better alternative. So if I was a CRO, which is, how, you know, many times, um, and I'm in a room with a rep and we're being negotiating, you know, somebody's pressing us really hard for a discount. This is more of a tactic, but it is because I have a better alternative. Maybe the rep doesn't, but I've actually said, look, I'd really love to have your business, but, you know, I really don't have to have your business this quarter. So, because I want to make sure that we do a really good job, you know, implementing it and you get what you want and you buy when you want to buy, right? So I'm trying to, I have that type of alternative, but sometimes the rep doesn't have that type of alternative. That's right? a really solid point. Having been on the rep side of that equation, having been on the CRO side of that equation, what's the blinding glimpse of the obvious? At the end of a quarter, we may have different definitions of a great outcome. Yeah. And John, I've been in the position where the CEO, if it's not done, comes swooping in at the end over top of me, the CRO, and they got their own definition of a great outcome. Another reason to, to shift it early in the process. But, you know, I, I, I think there's uh, a lot that can be said for that of what goes on at the end, because what you do with that little shift, hey, I'd love to get your business, but I'm more interested in you being successful and all that stuff. Guess what we're now starting to make it about? Them and their alternative, as opposed to us and our alternative. 
Yeah. And, and pity the poor seller that gets sucked into an old school negotiator's tactic. But I'm going to make it all about you. And I feel really bad. Your company's had our business for 20 years. And you might be the first rep in the history of your company to lose that. I'm sure it won't be good for you, et cetera. But let, and let's go back to why you really have to start this early. Okay, so Tim, in my experience, procurement's gotten very, very smart, like you said. They've been trained very, very well. And sometimes they've been trained by CROs that go in there and train them on all of our tactics. So what's happened in a lot of, especially the major organizations, they do what I call separation of church and state. So what they do is once... The, the rep gives the quote to their champion and they fill out any type of internal paperwork. Once that hits procurement, then procurement essentially puts a gag order on the business and says, you are not allowed to speak to that sales company any longer until I issue a purchase order. And what procurement's trying to do is take all the value that we've instilled throughout the sales process the quantification of the before scenario, the quantification of the benefits in the after scenario, you know, how much money they're going to save, how much more revenue they're going to get, how more, how much more efficient they're going to be, those types of things. And now if you waited until the last minute, you haven't done a good enough job with your champion, with the economic buyer and building a value case that's so powerful that it becomes very difficult for procurement to, to do the separation of church and state. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, there's a bunch of sage wisdom inside that, John, but I want to go back to the way you frame that up. Once the seller has passed on the proposal or the recommendation or whatever, so the blinding glimpse of the obvious is what's happened before that moment. Correct. Not only how have we influenced the requirements, uh, you know, we'll call them required capabilities, the desired outcomes, not only how have we shaped those so that whether we're in the room or not, when they look at that list and they look at who fits it best, we're going to win. Or on top of that, how have I prepared my champion? Because they don't put that gag order on our champion. They put it on us. And to what degree is the champion prepared to say, you cannot take this item out because this is the key to us achieving that outcome. So that's a, another key point of what do we do before it. Now, once it happens, then I'm left with a couple of other things. But what I would teach the people on the other side of the table all the time, John, is two things. Number one, you're buying on behalf of somebody in the business. No procurement professional in the world, John, wakes up in the morning and says, I think I want to buy something. They're buying on behalf of some internal customer that they have. Naturally. Yeah. That me, the seller, I actually might have more understanding of the seller's needs than they do. And so a couple of things. I know, especially if I'm in the league going into procurement, if they say no to me, they got to go back and talk to their internal customer and say, why? Why? Well, you know, they wouldn't lower their price. They wouldn't give us this concession or that concession. And I'm counting on the fact if I did my work upstream, the balance of the ROI, wait a minute, let me make sure I get this right. We got an issue that's impacting our brand. We got an issue that might make us subject to compliance risk. We got an issue that's costing us millions of dollars every year. And you want to slow this down? 
because you want to capture another $100,000 of discount US? You know, so there's a lot that's going on there. But John, if we don't do our work up front to put ourselves in the best position for that reality, it's going to feel like we're helpless and we've actually given them more power than they likely have. Well, the good point that you that you brought up is the fact that you have to have done such a good cost justification that they absolutely feel like they're losing every day that goes by that they don't buy. If they don't feel that way because you haven't done a good enough job there, then you've kind of given the power back to procurement. No question. No question. um, I'm just so compelled to highlight a couple of things. Um, You guys have done such a great job of digging into this time, power, and knowledge. Um, And look where we've landed. If I can just summarize this part of it, where we landed is um, the size of the problem and the negative consequences of the problem creates power for both sides. And that's true no matter what you're talking about. It's true when you're talking about negotiation. It's true when you're talking about executive level calling. It's true. So attaching yourself to big business issues is always going to give you better outcomes in this conversation. And then Johnny, you know, for me, champions are always the great equalizer in a negotiation process. So as Tim talked about, a lot of time, power, and knowledge is based on perception. And if I'm honest with myself, if I'm trying to understand those perceptions and I'm trying to do it from my point of view, from outside that company's point of view, looking into that company's point of view, you really have to ask yourself, do you really have a champion? Because that's what a champion is for. And I love what Tim said about, you know, I've rarely seen champions with a true definition of champion with power and influence. They have power and influence. I rarely have seen them get gag ordered. And if they do get gag ordered or they play along in some way, one of my favorite sayings to to tell a champion is you can't see it if you're not watching the video, but I, I make my arms like alligator arms. And I say, look, you cannot get alligator arms at the end of this process. We're going to go through your procurement process. We're going to go through your purchasing process. We're going to do exactly what's required, but you cannot disappear. And, and really, that's a dialogue with the champion that says, at the end of the day, we've agreed on this is the value. This is what you expect to get for that value. If you disappear and they ask me for something else, I might not be able to deliver that value to you. So I want to I take that to highlight that. Yeah, I want to take that one step further, though. Yeah. It all comes down to the champion preparation, the champion preparation for the following. So let's say I did, I've done an amazing job creating value. It goes to procurement. Let's say there truly is a gag order. The champion's not allowed to talk to me. I'm not allowed to talk to the champion. Time kills all deals. Yeah. We can agree on that. So yeah. the longer that deal is hanging out there, when it's gone to procurement, Guess who else knows about that deal? The competition. Competition. What is the competition typically going to do when they know they're losing a deal? They're going to call as high as they can in the organization, number one, and they're going to offer as big a discount as they possibly can. And number three, they're going to offer a lot of FUD 
on your company. So you can expect that that's what's going to happen. Someone's going to call way above your champion's head, maybe even above your economic buyer's head or to the economic buyer. They're going to discount. They're going to have a high-level C-level person call another C-level person, and they're going to create a lot of FUD. So here's what's going to happen internally. Now, that economic buyer that just took that call is going to go straight to the champion and tell me, tell me specifically why I got to buy product A when product B, I just got a call from the CEO and they offered a 50% discount underneath what the price is from product A. So if your champion's not prepared to handle that and not no hums, mm, uh, I don't know, and stand up to the pressure, then you're going to lose the deal. So you have to literally have that conversation with the champion. What are you going to do when you get a call? You got to tell them that that is absolutely going to happen. And you have to role play it. And they can't hem and haw when they get that call. See, John, what you're talking about is what I frequently see as one of the most misunderstood aspects of who is my champion. People talk about willingness to sell on our behalf. And I always think there's one more step beyond that preparedness to sell on our behalf and that's on us exactly for that moment that that is on us we have to prep them because it is going to happen and we have to role play and we have to ask specifically what are you going to say when they you get asked this question and hey another thing john what do our champions always we think we're testing them qualifying them they're doing that to us all the time they're saying you know if I'm going to loan my credibility to you, I'm going to put my good name next to what it is you do. I'm going to make sure that that's de-risk for me. So when you predict the future and you give them the tools to not just protect your deal, protect what they get out of that deal, your credibility goes through the roof. And it's not just the gift. That's the gift that keeps on giving, right? Maybe it's another deal at this place. Maybe they go somewhere else and they know you not only have great solutions, you've got great process and you help avoid unintended landmines. Yeah. And going back to what you said, I love the quote, you know, predicting the future. And that doesn't happen just at the end when you you know that they're going to get a call after you've given your quote to procurement. It has to happen throughout the entire sales process that you're prepping your champion and you're literally predicting the future. You're saying, hey, as an example, you're going to go into a meeting right now where the competition's champion is there. There, here, I'm going to tell you, here's eight objections you're going to get about our company and our product. What are you going to say? And they'll say, well, I don't know. Okay, so now you have to do the preparation. And if you're not, and then when they come out of that meeting and it was successful because you prepped them and you predicted the future, To your point, you've gained a lot of credibility. And that doesn't happen at just, again, one step in the sales process. It happens constantly in the sales process up until you have that purchase order in your hand. Getting that purchase order, no easy feat. This whole episode is a great discussion. Be sure to listen to it with Tim Cato. It's linked in the show notes. And if you're looking for cross-functional alignment around the negotiation strategy at your organization, check out our value negotiation offering at Force Management. Thanks for listening.